in an era in which Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind ruled at the box office, it was inevitable that James Bond would join the space race with Moonraker. I'm Stephen Archibald and welcome to my movie podcast. Bid you a warm welcome to They Came From Within Cult Movie Reviews Fly Me To The Moon And Let Me Play Among The Stars Moonraker 1979 Trust James Bond To want to go one better Than the Mile High Club And slug it out With a dastardly villain In outer space As stated On the closing credits of the previous 007 picture the Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only was supposed to be the 11th official Bond movie. However, the cinema going public were firmly in the grip of big budget, imaginative science fiction movies, ones which now displayed sophisticated, state-of-the-art special effects. Therefore, Albert R. Broccoli and Co. hastily chose to bring to the silver screen Ian Fleming's third Bond novel, which was first published in April 1955. What's ironic is that even though the filmmakers made huge alterations to the book storyline, Fleming had originally intended for Moonraker to be a screenplay. Bond is called into action when a space shuttle, financed by Drax Industries, is hijacked from a shuttle carrier aircraft whilst in mid-flight. It winds up being part of a nefarious scheme, one created by the industrialist Hugo Drax himself, who wants to do the usual supervillain thing, in this case, to poison the entire human race on Earth, while he builds up his own master race on a secret space station. Drax was impeccably played by the excellent French actor Michael Lonsdale. Due to Richard Keel making such a great impression as Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me, we get to be reacquainted with him right from the start of this film, throwing himself out of an airplane in hot pursuit of 007. Chang, who's played by Toshiro Suga, is ostensibly Drax's henchman, But the filmmakers knew that George would grab all the attention, so Chang is dispensed with quite early on in the movie. The main Bond woman in this adventure is Holly Goodhead, the CIA agent who poses as a NASA scientist and astronaut. The part's played by the lovely Texan actress Lois Childs. Lois had been offered the part of Anya Amasova from the previous film, but she turned it down due to wanting to take a break from acting. It's said that Lois took on the major role here 
after a chance meeting with the film's director Lewis Gilbert on a plane trip. I was saddened to discover that my favourite angel, Jacqueline Smith, could have played Holly Goodhead. Unfortunately, Jacqueline could not take up the producer's offer of the part because Moonraker's filming schedule clashed with her one for Charlie's Angels. M's secretary, Miss Moneypenny, who was played by Lois Maxwell, and MI6's quartermaster Q, who was portrayed by Desmond Llewellyn, make their usual welcome appearances here. However, on a sad note, this is the final movie in which we get to see M, portrayed by the fine character actor Bernard Lee. Bernard excelled at playing men of authority in roles such as Detective Hart in The Fallen Idol, Sergeant Payne in The Third Man, and Inspector Cherry in The Blue Lamp. But he will forever be remembered for being the first big screen actor to portray James Bond's grumpy but serious-minded boss. Lee played M in the first 11 Bond movies. Bernard passed away from stomach cancer on the 16th of January 1981 at the age of 73. His grandson is the actor Johnny Lee Miller. It often gets overlooked but I think that Moonraker has a terrific theme tune. One penned by Hal David, sung by Shirley Bassey, who had already performed the Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever theme tunes. Shirley's the only performer to feature on three different Bond movie soundtracks, and to think she was given the assignment quite late in the day. Having already turned down, doing the theme tune for You Only Live Twice, Frank Sinatra passed on this one too. But would you believe that the wonderful Kate Bush also declined to record it? Oh my goodness, can you imagine a Bond movie with Jacqueline Smith as the lead actress and Kate Bush doing the theme tune? It's just as well it didn't happen, for I believe, as a pre-teen, I would have self-combusted from the excitement. Staying on the subject of decision-making in the Bond franchise, as I pointed out in my previous 007 podcast, Albert R. Broccoli declined Steven Spielberg's offer to direct The Spy Who Loved Me. Spielberg's follow-up to Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, proved to be another huge hit. Even so, when Steven had asked if he could direct Moonraker, Broccoli once again said no. The mind boggles. Further still, Broccoli had the nerve to ask Spielberg if he could use that distinctive five-note leitmotif from Close Encounters, which we hear being played when Bond keys in the entry code to Drax's laboratory. Holly Goodhead was created for the film. In the source novel, 
the leading female character is an undercover special branch officer named Gala Brand. Gala is noteworthy in that she's the only major Bond woman in an Ian Fleming book who does not sleep with Bond. For the first time in the series, very few interiors or specially constructed sets were set up at Pinewood Studios in England. Pinewood was just used for the special effects. Most of the elaborate work was done in France, which probably explains why two of the four excellent actors in the running to play Drax hailed from France. Michael Lonsdale got the part ahead of Louis Jordan, James Mason and Stuart Granger. And isn't it funny that Fleming in the Moonwrecker novel describes Drax as a Lonsdale figure. It is somewhat strange that Roger Moore winded up playing James Bond. In his autobiography he admitted to being none too keen about guns. It's been reported that Roger suffered from hoplophobia, which is the fear of guns. Apparently, Roger ruined many takes whilst filming Live and Let Die due to his hand visibly shaking every time he fired a gun. It's a minor miracle that he made it through six more Bond films. For a late 1970s movie, the outer space sequences retain their power to impress. In fact, Derek Medding's superb miniatures of such objects as the space shuttles and Drax's space station earned him an Academy Award nomination for best visual effects. He lost out to the team behind Ridley Scott's Alien. Ironically, Meddings was part of the team who won this award the year before for Superman. Having helmed You Only Live Twice and The Spy Who Loved Me, this was the director Lewis Gilbert's last Bond movie. His editor on this film, John Glenn, would go on to direct the next five in a row. Moonraker received its UK premiere on the 26th of June 1979 at the Odeon Leicester Square. The Spy Who Loved Me had a budget of 13.5 million, which was considered massive at the time. However, Moonraker's budget was almost three times bigger. Such excess brought Broccoli huge success at the box office. But in his heart, he knew he had to listen to the criticisms of the die-hard 007 fans. And so, with the next movie, For Your Eyes Only, Bond was going back to basics. I'm Stephen Archibald, and thanks very much for listening to my podcast. They came from within cult movie reviews. I hope that you join me another time. Take care and bye bye for now.